Welcome to Harp Column Podcast, taking you behind the stories in Harp Column from a practical harpist's perspective. My name is Christina Finch, and I will be your guide to all things harp. Music for today's episode comes from the album Ala Palaka, recorded by the Aka Duo, featuring harpist Noemi Hanschik and guitarist Alexander Pankowski Vel Jankowski. Today's episode features harpist, entrepreneur, and author of the Sounding Board article from the 2021 July-August issue of Harp Column, the CEO of Harp, Elizabeth Houston. To start off, I'll have Liz introduce herself. My name is Elizabeth Houston, and I live in Redondo Beach, California. I got my degree in harp performance, but I actually really have drifted more towards producing concerts and contemporary music. And so that is my day job, but on the weekends, I still, of course, do weddings and events and teach lessons weekdays. So kind of a multifaceted musical career. If you live in or around the Philadelphia area, Elizabeth's name might sound familiar to you. For years before moving to California, she produced new music performances in the Philadelphia area, including one project that was a fully immersive experience, exploring all 14 Barrio sequences. I asked Liz if she's still producing in Philly. So during the pandemic, it has changed. The last piece that I presented in Philadelphia was I think in 2018. So it has been a while. I was planning a tour of a James Tenney piece for six harps that was going to happen in Philadelphia in 2020. But of course that did not happen. Not a lot of touring in 2020. But I really hope to get back to it. So I've I've kind of settled more in California mostly because of the pandemic. But I think I will be splitting my time more in the coming years. Sounding board articles can be such personal and passionate pieces that I'm always curious how they come about. I actually posted on Facebook about this because I had had a conversation with a friend about the difference between working in a female-dominated versus a male-dominated career. So she's a train engineer, which is a very male-dominated career path. We had been talking about this and it had never really occurred to me the difference in the way that you're treated when you are considered to be what is expected for the field essentially and so it just was an interesting conversation and I posted about it on Facebook and then Harp Column contacted me asking me to kind of flush it out into an article. 
diving into Liz's article, the CEO of HarpNow, and first, a little context. About four years ago, Liz and her husband Andrew began working through the adoption process. And for Liz, there was one question in particular that has stuck with her all these years later. That question was about the cultivation of confidence, as you'll hear. Years later now, Liz and Andrew have a smart, kind, and adorable little girl named Maya, and Liz believed she might have pinpointed a source of confidence cultivation in her life. I think that no matter how you come about having kids, it's a process that really makes you evaluate who you are and what your values are, because all of a sudden it matters so much more. And so it's really interesting because for the adoption process, the government actually becomes very interested in what your value system is. And so uh, the first thing that you do is a home study, which is a, a pretty like invasive procedure where a social worker comes and inspects your house and makes sure that it's safe for a child. And then they interview you. And th the way it works in every state is different, but the way that it works in California is that it's a, a usually two to three hour long interview process where first it's you as a couple and then they split you up and interview each of you separately. And they really just kind of probe any kind of traumatizing events that you've been through anything, you know, it's, it's, they just really want to know everything about you to make sure, sure that there's no red flags. And it's, a, it's an important process. And it's actually, for me, a really interesting process because I'm kind of an open book person and it doesn't really bother me for strangers to be asking me about like my experiences with death and things like that. So, um, so it was an interesting process, but yeah, one, one of the things that she asked about was in what ways I struggle with self-esteem issues. And the way that she asked it really implied that everybody struggles with self-esteem issues which I guess everyone does at some point, but for me, I really couldn't say that I have kind of, you know, ongoing self-esteem problems. And she seemed to think that that was fairly unusual. So, you know, she was asking, you know, if, if I could figure out why I don't have self-esteem issues, because then, you know, maybe whatever happens in my life, I could then pass on to whatever child I ended up raising. And so because it seemed like she treated it as such an urgent question, I, of course, suddenly started to feel that it was this very urgent question. At this point, this is uh, almost four years ago um, that this was asked. And I just, I couldn't stop thinking about, you know, like what, what is the answer to this? Because maybe somehow it could change my child's life. But in the end, you know, I, I don't know that the answer that I came up with is, 100% what it is, uh, which is that, you know, working in a female dominated career, not necessarily have the constant questioning of my worth and the questioning of whether or not I know what I'm talking about and what I'm doing and if I belong there. And, you know, I, I go to conferences and I'm not the only woman in the, in the room and, and things like that. But I, I certainly think that, that it contributed. And I, you know, I think all parts of your personality are impacted by many different experiences, but I think that your career is such a big part of your day-to-day -day existence that it's going to have a huge impact.
comparing my experiences with that of my friends in male-dominated careers was really interesting. Like I called up my friend who's the vice president of engineering in um, a major firm in Philadelphia, and she will go to conferences and, you know, she'll be a keynote speaker. And people will come up to her afterwards and say, oh, you're so pretty. Why don't you go into marketing or something like that? And she's the vice president of engineering and you know, it has, has had a really robust career and is an amazing engineer. But of course, uh, she doesn't look like what people expect. And therefore, she gets treated as if she doesn't belong there, which just really has to chip away at your personal viewpoint of yourself because you think that you don't belong you know you think that you don't belong in your life you think that you don't belong with the people around you and it it just makes it really difficult This is a perfect place to acknowledge that Liz and I both come to this conversation from a place of privilege. As cis white females, we both fit into the stereotypical expectations that accompany our field. It is equally important to lift up and share the experiences of those who are not granted that same privilege, particularly female and male harpists of color, non-gender conforming harpists, trans harpists, and harpists with disabilities. So actually, I, I considered including the male harpist viewpoint, but first of all, sounding board uh, yeah. column not intended to be particularly long. And so I wanted to be uh, as cohesive as possible, but also um, I, I wanted to include viewpoints from women outside the field and then women of color in, inside the field. And then I felt like adding the viewpoint of men would uh, it would just be a lot of different perspectives to include on one article. So I decided to keep it kind of female focused just to uh, keep it clear and keep it directed. But I am definitely curious about the male viewpoint. I, I have a, a friend here in Los Angeles who's a male harpist who was turned into a meme um, that, you know, actually like went incredibly viral. My friends in Philadelphia were sharing it, people outside of the harp world. Um, and it was, it was, I, I can't remember exactly, but it was something about like wanting to marry an all American harpist. I don't I'd like, you know, it's, it doesn't, the context doesn't matter, but it certainly could have been hurtful. I don't think it was super hurtful for him because he, you know, he, he has a really great career and is doing exciting things. And I, I don't think he really cared, but I think for some people, they may feel uh, kind of similarly off kilter in the harp world, just not, you know, necessarily looking like what people expect of a harpist. so much more to share from my conversation with Elizabeth Houston, including her incredible work with the LA-based composer collective called Synchromy. But for today, let me simply point you in the direction of awesome and trust you to do the rest.
To learn more about Liz and her projects, past, present, and future, you can visit her website, www.elizabethharpist.com. To learn more about her work with Synchromy, visit www.synchromy.org. S-Y-N-C-H-R-O-M-Y dot org. That's it for today's episode. Many thanks to Elizabeth Houston for joining us today. Music for today's episode comes from the album Ala Palaka, featuring the Aka duo, and reviewed by Allison Young in the July-August 2021 issue of Harp Column. To learn more about Harp Column, please visit www.harpcolumn.com and subscribe today to gain access to current and past issues, as well as a lot of great web content. My name is Dr. Christina Finch, and we at Harp Column hope that you have a spectacular week. 